Jeff, thanks for coming out today to join us. Pretty excited to have you on the circle. It's appropriate that we're meeting in the hangar. Um, this has kind of become our podcast studio, and there's no doubt I wouldn't be sitting here without you. Um, that's why it was important for me to have you on as, as one of the first guests, just because the impact you've had in, you know, me starting my business, but then much, much more things beyond that, getting into aviation and all the adventures and things that we've done together. So um, thanks for coming on. You bet. You bet. Uh, my pleasure. I thought it'd be fun just to kind of start by getting a little bit of a background on Jeff Kilgore. Um, I mean, we've been friends for, let's see, 15 years now? Sounds At right. At least, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Um, right now, you're running a you know, multi-million dollar organization with close to 1,000 employees or so, last I heard. Yeah. What really kind of brought you into the into the industry of construction what made you decide to to go down the road of getting into owning your own business well the construction part i was raised around it so my my dad was in the business uh, didn't own his own business he worked in the business and so uh he's kind of workaholic so he took us to work all the time got used to that i said the one thing i'll never do is construction ever was really what I did constantly because I was kind of force-fed construction. Um, you know, I went to college and went to Blinn, which is junior college. Usually people go to before they get to A&M. Sure. So I went to Blinn, and after about two years of that, I determined that I was just screwing off and wasting time, and I needed to do something different. So came back, a little reality shock, uh, got in construction, started making, I think, six fifty an hour not that long ago. Oh, wow. uh, hanging ductwork, um, insulating ductwork, and like I said, it's culture shock. You go from college, which is what, you know, parties and friends, and, you know, surrounded by all the good things in life, at least for that time, and um, came back and really, uh, like I said, it was culture shock. It was like, did I make the right decision? Sure. And it was kind of a gut check and said, to myself, it has to be the right decision. You know, it's done. I made yeah. it. You know, how are we going to make this work for me? So, um, so just you know, learned a lot about construction. Started you know from the bottom, really uh, hanging duct work, insulating duct work, putting in pipe, putting in uh, different various mechanical systems, and uh, going to school at night really to learn more about the construction trade. Not so much college. Um, went from there got successful in the sales side of that business and then we were working for a company that got bought and when it got bought that whole dynamic changed the culture changed and my brother and i looked at each other and said let's go do something different kilgore was born in 2000 so oh, wow yeah so there was i know for me there was a point where you kind of look at yourself and go Man, i think we can do this you yeah. know i think you, you understand, you start to understand all the different aspects of the business, you know, the operation side, you start to know the sales side, mm -hmm. and you, you build that courage up that says, let's, let's take a, that big step. Yeah. I think, I think you were, you were one of the first calls that I made when I kind of came to that conclusion. Yeah. Um, I remember there being kind of a suffocating feeling at first because it was like, did I just quit my job yeah. <laughs> and all the yeah. security that I yeah. that I have in life? And, you know, 
I remember vividly uh, shortly after we met here, got in your plane, you flew us over to Seguin. Mm -hmm. We went to this little Mexican restaurant and sat down and, and had a discussion on, you know, what, what this is really going to mean being an entrepreneur. Yeah. And so a lot of those early discussions helped, helped me personally develop um, and get kind of a, a head start. So you've always, I consider you on kind of my outside board of directors mm -hmm. as someone I can call and, and ask questions and kind of learn from the experience that, that you've had. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, you, you came up from just working with your hands. You, I guess you and, and Ken did a lot of the early jobs yourselves. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I tell that story because we are fairly large business in our, yeah. in our business now. And so, um, yeah, it's a two-man show, right? Ken and I started the business and, you know, went out and sold our first job. And, you know, the days, the early days were setting up accounts with the bank, setting up, you know, business accounts with insurance and, and, and bonding and vendors and then calling on clients and saying, you know, here we are, we're Kilgore. Sure. And, um, and I had a pretty, pretty aggressive uh, pitch back in the day, you know, because I had picked the top firms that we wanted to compete with. And I said, you know, this is who we are. You think of them, you think of us, we're here to compete with them. Um, and I often felt like there was a commercial back in the day about that time. It was a, it was a, uh, T-Mobile or Sprint, you know, or something yeah. like that. And they had this commercial where uh, they, you know, the guy would stand in front. He had this whole army of people behind him. And he's like, you know, this is our network. This is our whatever. And it was part of the commercial. And then they'd show the competition. And this guy is saying, but this is our network. And he's like, looks at his guy behind him. And he bumps him accident. They fall over like dominoes are all just cardboard. You oh, know? I got you. Yeah. I felt like that yeah. was us. I'm like, we're here to do all this work. <laughs> we're great. We've got, you know, we've got what it takes. And it was Ken and I. Literally. Yeah. And so, um, but, you know, we sold our first job. It was compressed air, uh, gas piping, threaded pipe in the warehouse. We, you know, would rent it all the equipment. At night, yeah. we'd go to the site and we'd install it. You know, that's how you start. You know, you can't afford employees right off the bat. It's like you. Um, we went, we had mortgages, we had kids, and we yeah. walked away from everything. So it was a big risk. Um, but slowly built on it, and, and, and here we are. So, um, you know. Nothing, uh, nothing constant. Obviously, we've seen all kinds of changes throughout the sure. process, and obviously in the middle of some major changes right now with with COVID and everything. But um, I can't say that the one constant is just the 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 pleasure of being an entrepreneur, the pleasure of that challenge. Yeah. And um, you know, speaking of banking and bonding, they I drive them nuts. You know, they're like because of my risk taking, and I love yeah. risk. They're like man, would you stop? Would you, you know, you make us nervous as hell. And I'm like, but you know, I'm the opposite of you guys. I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. If I don't have risk in my day, it's hard to get out of bed, yeah. you know? And so that stuff makes me breathe and live. And so I love the challenge of, of, of risk. And, um, I think my daughter in college is, was doing a report on business. She asked me, you know, what made you decide to be an entrepreneur? And I said, I don't think I've decided. I think I was just born that way. You know, yeah. um, there is a decision-making process when you decide to leave safety sure. and take a risk but i think you know so many of us are just born that way right so it, it, yeah, the people that are born that way and never do it are the ones that are always kicking themselves in the butt 
down the road. Always Why didn't I ever do it? What if, that, that was kind of you when we met at the golf course, right? Definitely. Uh, I go back one little step further than you from the Seguin to, to the golf course. Oh, sure. And uh, we were out there playing at CW, and we were sitting there after the round, and, you know, you started quizzing me on business. And then you said, man, I'm really interested in doing that, you know. I was like, it's a big thing. You should yeah, do it's it. It's a big you know? step. Yeah. Well, it was, yeah. for me, seeing guys like you who had taken the leap um, started something fresh and really there was it was kind of a tide shifting I think in the construction industry there was a lot more of a relationship based delivery methods um, there was kind of some some younger guys that were taking over whether it was the MEP world there were some younger GCs that were starting up and you had these legacy general contractors mm -hmm. and mechanical companies that had been around for a hundred years yeah. But they kind of lost their touch with their customer base, and here I was, you know, at the golf course with Jeff Kilgore, listening uh, to you talk about your business and how you guys grew it and developed it. That was 15 years ago. Um, fast forward 15 years, what's your business look like now? What was it then compared to what it looks like now? You know, probably the biggest change and obviously you know just in terms of size it's much yeah. bigger and we're probably uh, you know 40 million at the time in revenues and now we're approaching 200 million oh, in wow. revenues yeah so um, we've seen massive massive growth and that's even you know after the five-year what they call the great recession I guess and um, so we've seen massive growth with a five-year break where we saw no growth because of the recession um, but uh, so you know 40 million, probably uh, 300 folks, and now 200 million, 1,000 folks, um, you know, at least pre-COVID. That's changed a little bit since then. But um, so it was a whole different ballgame. And so the big thing with me and what I what I used to be, you know, front lines, I felt front yeah. lines at all times. I felt like my brother and I had our hands on everything that happened in business. Everything went really smooth. It was always, you know, not always, you know, it's construction. Not sure, sure, smooth, sure. but we... We, we, we had our finger on the pulse of just like every vein in our business yeah. and, and, it, and it made us um, succeed fairly easily, right? And then, um, but, you know, my ambition for growth and appetite for, for growth um, would force us beyond that always, you yeah. know? And Ken and I are a good mix. I'm full throttle, he rides the brake and says, what the heck are we doing, yeah. you know? Um, and, and I keep pushing forward, so, um, the main thing I had to do is kept looking at what I call a route of accountability, which is really an org chart, but sure. uh, I like to refer to it as a route of accountability to force that accountability or promote that accountability aspect of business, not hierarchy and authority. And um, I had to keep looking at that and said, you know, is this scalable? Is this scalable? When we go from 40 to 50 to 60 to 80 to 100 to 200, is this scalable? Yeah. And like most businesses, I think to grow fast, you're behind the curve. Right. And so it's 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 I think Jack Welch said it really good. Change before you have to. And if you don't change before you have to, then then you, you're likely, you know, going to suffer. And if not fatally, you, you know, suffer. Yeah. And so I still feel like even with all that focus, we're reactive. We're always behind, you know, um, you know, there could be an argument that, you know, our moves have been proactive, you know, but I'm, I'm probably more critical of our own results and critical of our own. Um, performance but um, 
but that's the main thing for me and and probably Ken as well is as you grow a business like that and you go from you know an, an entrepreneur that sees on, touches, touches feels everything, everything yeah. every day to this big business that is unruly really it's just yeah. things are happening everywhere and you can't control them and you know how do you get scalability how do you get horsepower in place and people you trust yeah. and people that are um, productive and effective at, at, at their roles all in place you know and so you know one of the most challenging things for me and one of the things that I've had to accept is if you took an equation of successful business there's components of that sure. equation and one component is time and that's the kind of component I struggle with because I want everything yeah. now to happen yeah. now and time shouldn't be a factor I should be able to just tool up or spool up or yeah. finance up or whatever yeah. and make it happen today it's not reality it doesn't work that way mm, though not at all so you know it's just there's no replacing the time factor you can accelerate it and be a fast-growing business uh, you accelerate it too much and it's a disaster you yeah know? so that time is the it's the most valuable resource it's also the most limited resource mm -hmm. And you can yeah. only, there's only 24 hours in a day. There's only yeah. one of you, yeah. your time, Ken's time. Yeah. So when you started, were you just mechanical? Tell me about yeah. yep. how you started, what the divisions are that you grew into. Because today you've got multiple divisions and mm -hmm. service fronts. Yeah, so diversity was important for us. And so we did set out to have a diversified business model. So we weren't locked into one model that, you know, could ebb and flow with markets. And so we, we wanted protection against that. So we started as a mechanical contractor right away, construction. Uh, year two, we added service, mechanical, uh, and plumbing, construction. And then uh, we added electrical probably about eight years later. So MEP, one of the few that do all three. Um, at the same time, what we saw is that there was very defined markets within our, our business, so vertical markets within our business. We were primarily uh, heavy commercial, and so you know we saw where there was a strong, heavy ground-up commercial. Mm -hmm. We saw there was a strong interiors market that had you know some good possibilities, so we invested in people that focused only on interiors. Um, we then went out and invested in people that did only multifamily, actually mm -hmm. uh, acquired a, a firm and tucked it into our business that does multifamily. And then also geographically, we started expanding. So our, uh, um, one more was the medical center. We, we grabbed that, which is mainly uh, servicing the Houston Medical Center sure. and that whole city down there, right? And so then we uh, expanded geographically from Houston to Austin, which is absolutely booming and has been a savior right now. Sure. Um, then we expanded into Dallas, so we have Austin's Houston, Houston Medical Center, which is South Houston, Austin, and Dallas right now, and the presence that we have in New Mexico with yeah. you. We also have a small presence up, up in uh, Stanford, Connecticut. So what we've seen is that really does work. Um, you know, the, maybe the multifamily market gets depressed, but you know, commercial office buildings are going strong or both of those are depressed and we have good, you know, government yeah. work on the on the heavy government side or industrial side. The other thing we've seen, especially since this COVID and, and why I like the diversity is that um, when the COVID hit, the Houston market just dried up really. Sure. And, you know, we saw the big market crash along with the with, with the COVID news. And but Austin hasn't 
hasn't even slowed down at all. So, you know, having that diversity, if we didn't have that right now, I would not have any sales in the last three yeah. months. But yet yeah. we've got tens of millions of dollars worth of sales in that market. Um, you know, obviously with COVID and, and people officing at home and all these things happening, it's driving the tech world and the tech world is Austin and it's booming, you know, Amazon and Apple and Indeed and all these places are calling us and we're, you know, building Yeah, out. Texas, there's no doubt. I mean, Texas and Austin especially has become almost its own little Silicon Valley yeah. of technology and yeah. You know, yeah. some of the big companies are moving from California and other states to yeah. come have a presence there because it's, it's business friendly environment mm-hmm. is Texas has a fun culture. Mm-hmm. It's cost of living is, you know, compared to other major metropolitan areas is yeah. one of the, yeah. if not the cheapest. Yeah. Um, so having that diverse by design, you guys started out early saying we need to get into different industries mm-hmm. and then different markets within those industries to kind of hedge mm-hmm. your business risk as that's uh, as it's gone throughout. Yeah. And then your role now, you you know Ken and you describe kind of your different roles within the business because I see you more still on kind of the business side, mm-hmm. sales mm-hmm. strategy. Yeah. And I see Ken more on operation kind of front. Right. And, and that's accurate. Um, again, going back to our ROA, route of accountability chart, um, you know, it's it's actually a constant work. And, and I, I promote that in our business. So um, I'm speaking, I'm an ROA, and I have an ROA. But everybody in a leadership role has an ROA as well within our organization. Sure. And so task number one is to figure out, you know, are you the right person in the right seat? And if you are, then look at the rest of the ROA. Is everybody that reports to you the right person in the right seat? And so often, I, you know, I would say there's a high percentage of individuals that aren't the right people in the right seat. And that evolves over time as well. Yeah. It especially changes when a business gets large, yeah. right? So um, a lot of times I'll put our ROA up, and I'm like, the only two people on this on this chart here that hadn't earned their job is Ken and I, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, we're self-elected, right? And so um, that puts a lot of pressure on us. And so I constantly, you know, challenge even our roles. You know, should, if I can find a better CEO for my business, I should, and yeah. I should take a step back. Yeah. Um, if I could buy a better COO for our business, I should, and Ken could take a different role. Yeah. Um, so we constantly challenge ourselves like that, and, and for us to do it as owners promotes others to do it for themselves, um, to make sure they understand. You know, you know. I think it's uh, Jim Collins said. You know, if you're per- if you're a tool designed to do something on this earth, what is it? Yeah. And make sure you're doing that right. And so, to speak to what you said, my natural role: marketing, relationships, growth, yeah. recruiting. You know, just just you know, being out there in a face. Out, out, um, out in the market for Kilgore, and Ken's natural role is details. He loves to get down, really down in the weeds, and really work through issues. And so he's he a good compliment. Got him in yeah. operations, yeah. And so what we have found is that you know I'm up here at thirty thousand feet, you know, and he's down. We sometimes say in the weeds, and even in the roots, and which is really good. I mean, yeah. really gets down deep into yeah. details. Um, and so that really showed us that if that's really, if you look at a it's kind of a visual of that, yeah. you go, okay, you got a big void in the middle, right? Where are you going to get 
this that really Cover, is, coverage in, is the, in the mid management. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so through that process, developed a board of directors. Um, you know, started building our business like a major corporation, and so even though we're still a limited partnership, LP 50-50, Ken and I, uh, we look more like a corporation. Yeah. We've got a board of directors. I'm the CEO. Uh, it's an eight-panel board. You know, we meet over here in our hangars. You've you've helped build, um, and um, you know, we operate that way. So one of one of the things that's that's always been very impressive of the Kilgore industry. Um, organization is the branding the culture um, when we go to your shop you know we, we want to do here soon is you immediately see the branding yeah. right when you come into the lobby the Kilgore way yeah um, you've got your tenant your core tenants of you know what it means to be successful mm -hmm. and 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 then that branding carries throughout the whole shop yep. you know and throughout you know whether it's in the front office to the back office, and it's clean, it's organized. Um, tell me about the Kilgore way and, and kind of yeah. what what led you guys into trying to create and establish that that culture. Yeah, so one thing you just said that, that keys on me, and I, I did spend a little time in the hospitality world when I was in high school and college working you okay. know, for the hospitality world. So. Something you said is you said from the front office to the back office, um, that always struck me, right? When I when I when I figured out what they meant by back of house, mm -hmm. when I was in the hospitality world, it meant this is what the customer sees and this is what the employee sees. Sure. And there was a vast difference. The, what the customer saw was beautiful, you know, it was well maintained, it was awesome. The back of the house was literally a dump, and I thought, how screwed up is this, right? Yeah. You, your business is based on your employees and why is the back of the house, you know, you know, totally neglected and totally broken down and something your customers aren't even allowed to see because it's so bad. Yeah. Um, so our model has been totally the opposite of that, you know. Back of house should be as good as the front of the house and the all, whole house should be the same. And, um, and so, and that's how we treat it, you know, and the expectations are very high across the board. Sure. Um, you know, you know, you walk our facilities, I walk our facilities, and you know, I've got very high expectations of, you know, what that looks like. And it's it's not really for me, it's for the people that work there. Um, you know, we talk about quality and we talk about, you know, performance and execution and all those kind of things. And if you do that, but you show something different, you go and the floors are stained, the ceiling tiles are falling out, the walls yeah. are dingy. Morales, it's not the same message. Yeah. Well, it's not the same message, you yeah. know. And so, you know, for consistent message, uh, we focused on that. Um, we gave it a name, the Kilgore Way. We, we started defining, you know, the cultural side of our business, which is purpose, beliefs, and, um, and, then, and then the kind of more business side, which is strategy and expectation and leadership, which are two com major components of that. Um, and, you know, we open almost every meeting with the, the cultural statements. Sure. We teach on it. We, we speak on it often. Um, and then on the strategy side, we, we have monthly leadership meeting where we constantly talk about the strategy. And I open the doors to everybody on that leadership meeting. So uh, everybody's, everybody's got a voice, yeah. mm -hmm. too. Yeah. And I've, I've noticed also, and you've probably been doing this for years, but I've just noticed recently you bringing in third-party, you know, outside mm -hmm. you know, consultants or... 
motivational speakers or people to help continue to promote and teach and develop your own people. I don't. Yeah. I haven't been around another uh, business leader uh, or business leadership group than your group that I think has invested more in their own people. Yeah. Um, you're, you, I've seen you hold separate conferences and teaching, uh, 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 call it workshops, with right. your people to come in and help them personally. Yeah. How do I become a better uh, person, employee? How do I help myself yeah. grow and develop within the organization? And you know, something I've tried to carry into our business is how do you incentivize those people and help them see that by themselves you know, developing and becoming better, stronger, um, it helps the business, but they, mm -hmm. they, they have a financial reward and a professional development reward that comes along, yeah. comes along with that. Yeah. So, so yes, we've spent a tremendous amount of time in investing in our people. Um, the, our purpose statement is to win together by providing the greatest opportunity for our team members and the best value and experience to our clients. And so, uh, you know, we break that down. What does it mean to win together? You talk about incentives, you talk about sure. raises, promotions, uh, self-growth, right? Um, and then you go, okay, so that's concept of winning together. And how are we gonna do it? It's not by any way, because there's a lot of bad ways to win, right? There's a lot of sure. cutting corners and doing things wrong. Um, so we're gonna do it the right way, and how do we do that? Well, we provide the greatest opportunity for personal growth of our team members. You kind of think about that and you go, would anybody leave an organization that has the greatest opportunity? A absolutely not. Not not of anybody that, that, that has their head yeah. on straight. And so we really focus on that and we, we, we tell our people, challenge us. If you don't feel like you have the greatest opportunity, then challenge leadership, challenge ownership. Um, but one thing I also focus on big time when I have this discussion with our folks, and it may be in in front of the entire organization yeah. in, a, in a quarterly meeting, which is obviously hundreds and hundreds of people, um, is that that word opportunity. We're gonna provide the opportunity. It's your job to seize that opportunity. Yeah. We're not gonna force feed it to you. You're gonna say, here it is. You know, you gotta jump on, you gotta take the opportunity and- Make you something know, out of it. Yeah. And you wish everybody did, but what is it? One in a hundred, one in yeah. 200, really grasp it and say, yeah. I'm gonna take this opportunity and run with it. Um, and so, you know, that's our focus. We focus on our people uh, and, and our leadership equation that I talked about, uh, expectations of leaderships. Uh, one of the biggest things is learn and teach, you know. So all self, uh, I mean, all leaders are, are expected to self-develop to, you know, we have a list of books that we promote that are really good that we believe in. Um, but we ask them to go learn and then come back and teach. So typically we have at least a dozen different book studies going on in our organization. Wow. wow. And typically in those book studies, if I, like the one I hosted last, you know, we had, you know, a welder, we had a plumber, we had a receptionist, we had a bookkeeper, you know, and I, and we had probably a dozen people in a, in a round table discussion for, I don't know, it was eight to 12 week session. And uh, on Friday mornings, you know, just a little coffee and a talk and, and read through a book and uh, just a total diverse section of our business. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I always say there's no titles in this room. You know, we're just here to have a conversation. Um, we all learn from each other. And I typically would invite like one guest in a week too. Yeah. Um, typically someone in a leadership role just to come in and add their two cents um, and also get some exposure to sure. people. So, 
uh, a lot of these folks are, are field workers. You know, they would never meet me or, or, or my brother or yeah. some of these other leaders. leaders. So uh, you think about the impact that may have on them, and, you know, now they know sure. who they work for. To meet the leadership yeah. of the company. It's awesome. Yeah. And I think it's important. So one of the biggest things you asked about how one of the things I said about growing a business from hands-on to, to that yeah. is in the blue-collar world in particular, I feel like, uh, you know, folks, uh, the team members need to know who they work for. And yeah. so the bigger you get, the harder that is. Yeah. Um, you know, and so, you know, promote – so. You know, having a forum like that um, and different opportunities to get, you know, in the same room and to share thoughts, I think goes a long way because you have to. And then they'll go out and they'll talk and they'll tell people on the job site, oh, yeah, I'm doing this thing. Every Friday I'm in there with ownership yeah. talking about whatever, you know. And so it spreads, but you can't spread yourself amongst a thousand sure. people typically, sure. uh, especially in construction. If we we're all in one building and we're manufacturing, it would be a different story. I could walk the floor every day. Yeah, but you're hands. spread. You're spread yeah. all over. Even within Houston, Houston's a huge yeah. geographic yeah. location. You've yeah. got jobs all over the everywhere. City. So yeah. I've got you know a thousand people showing up to you know 50, 60 different sites a day. You know something like that. So it's it's so hard. Um, and then that's kind of been a recent focus too as we've grown. Is just you know um, I abbreviated it gas give a shit right yeah for yeah because back. Because again, when people really care, when you're a small business, that's it seems easy to achieve because it's natural. Yeah, everybody's there. They everybody's know, there. They yeah. interacting with each other, and they, so they all have feed off a that. high level of yeah. care. Um, and then as you get bigger and bigger, people start feeling like numbers, and they stop not caring as much. And then you start wondering why your production is going down. Why don't we feel, do as good as yeah. we used to do? They're we got good people, but the motivation's different. Yeah. And so, you know, we're still in the process of figuring out how we get that same yeah. feel that Keep we had back then. Keep people connected to the organization and it's, the culture. It's, it's hard. It's a constant challenge. So it how, I imagine, just because I, by the nature of, you know, my primary business is general contracting, right. I see a lot of these other businesses, your competitors and others. Yeah. Retention and retaining people. Um, you spend time and money developing people, developing culture, mm -hmm. and you have to be a target from your competitors. People want to snatch your people away. Yes. You know, how much has that become a challenge in, in your world is retaining the people that you invested? I mean, there's, there's a lot of folks that I've worked with at your business that have been there many, many, many years. Yeah. But I've got to imagine that you've got folks who get stolen away or get yeah. approached because of that culture and that investment you put into them. We do, and we've seen a lot of it. Um, I would say our, you know, for our market, we track it. We're we're well below uh, the sure. the average turnover rate in construction. Um, in self performed construction world, it's actually sixty percent. It's high because wow. you have so many field folks. You have a sixty yeah. percent turnover rate. Um, obviously, broke that down to office to field. It wouldn't be the same. The field tends to be a little more nomadic, moving around. Yeah. Um, but uh, for us. Um, we stay well below that. If you're a growing business, you also have major turnover because you're sure. having to staff up to handle the new work. If you hire 10, you keep two. That creates a huge amount of turnover. Um, but what I will say is that, um, you know, I don't, I, I don't do non-competes. 
I don't try to lock people into uh, a forced marriage. You know, I feel like, you know, every day we earn our employees, every day we earn our customers. And so, you know, locking them into a non-compete and you're going to work for me because you can't go anywhere else because you signed this agreement is not a marriage I want to be in, right? And so uh, a true partnership is, you know, I almost want to be exposed to losing people because it forces me to treat them right. It forces us to do the right thing to keep people in our organization. And and that's a healthy thing to have. Um, You know, otherwise you could lose sight of that and, and, you know, you could, you could not have a, you know, obviously a a dynamic business that is a great opportunity for people to grow in. Sure. That's a good perspective is putting it back on yourself to create the most attractive place. We've said it in our organization that when, when this is not the place that you feel like is in your best interest, that provides the most opportunity for you, then maybe it's not the place you need to be. Right. Um, yeah, and it could be that person isn't, you know, they're on a different path. I mean, we've yeah. had people leave the industry and, 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 you know, go open a restaurant or, you know, go open a totally different type of business, and that's great. We feel like we motivated and helped that person get, you know, inspired and go do their thing, and, and we see that as an accomplishment, um, and we feel good about it. Uh, what I also have seen is a, a whole lot of people that have left over the years come back, and sure. so we've had a whole lot of that um the, you know they they get they get lured away um by more money or a different opportunity a bigger title uh maybe we don't think they're quite ready for that role yet so we're holding them back and trying to develop them more yeah. and get them ready and someone else says you know come be a vp at our office and, yeah. and they take that um we've seen a lot of those folks come back and and so that's good too um, sure. you know they leave on good terms and and they come back on good terms, and um, a lot of times those are some of your best folks too. They've they've, they've seen that, and and a lot of times internally, those folks can also promote that. Hey, yeah, the grass is not always greener on the other side yeah. of the fence, yeah, right? Yeah. I've yeah. been there and come back. So, as a business owner, entrepreneur, we live our business, right? Mm-hmm. And some people look at us and go, "You guys are crazy." I mean, oh, I've had yeah. folks say. You never stop working. You never stop yeah. dealing with problems. You never stop answering the phone. For us, I think, and it's something we share, is that challenge and that rush of always pursuing the next adventure, the next challenge, the next risk is what makes it exciting. Mm-hmm. But you've got to mix some fun into the equation and some adventure into the equation. And a lot of that has helped us build our relationship. So for, for, for me watching you as a pilot and outdoorsman you know some of the adventures that you've had has helped form how I run my business and and manage my relationships getting into aviation for me was one of the best things that has ever happened to me mm. and you're the reason that I got into flying mm. what got you into flying why did you decide to get a plane and go down the road of, of taking on the skies? To be honest, I mean, I, I was pretty um, apprehensive and had a fear of flying, period. You know, I wouldn't like to get on a commercial airplane, you know. Oh, wow. And, you know, in a commercial airplane, right. And so I would actually have anxiety on a, just getting ready to go to a trip for days ahead of the trip just because I didn't want to fly. You know, it didn't seem natural. We just yeah. get on the ground. 
And so I missed out on a lot of opportunities just because I didn't want to fly, you know. Yeah. I'd get offered free trips all the time. I'm like, I don't know, you know. And then um, there's a couple things. There's a couple turning points in life. And and uh, one day I, I, I realized I always said no to everything, you know, no to opportunities yeah. that were they're fun opportunities. I usually said yes to responsibility and no sure. to opportunities that were fun. And so I kind of one day woke up and said, I'm going to start saying yes to everything. Of course, I'd say yes and then regret it. Like, oh, now i got to go on this trip. <laughs> but um, I did that for years and, and saw a lot of things and did a lot of things, had a lot of fun um, until I kind of burned out on that and started saying no again. But, yeah. you know, I, it, it was a good exercise. Um, as far as the flying goes, it was kind of one of those things as well. I just, you know, I bought a ranch, one I took you to. Sure. And... Um, you know, I was kind of tongue-in-cheek talking, saying, man, this traffic, getting out of town and back in town so difficult. Yeah. If I had a plane, it'd be so much easier. And then um, I actually met a buddy that had a plane, and, and he took me to a forced flight. And I said, you know, I think I could do this. And walked into a, you know, into a little place and met a lifelong friend, actually, that, be, that was my instructor. Um, and um, the rest is kind of history there, you know. I loved it. And I realized it wasn't the fear of flight that made yeah. me anxious. It was me not being in control. And yeah, so I can see that. all of a sudden I'm like, I'm in control. I have no fear of flight. I have no yeah. fear, fear of leaving the ground. In fact, it's the best thing ever. There's nothing yeah. better than pulling back on yoga and leaving the earth. Um, so that was just kind of a, you know, uh, uh, a little bit of an awakening as to realize, you know, um, good or bad, that yeah. it's the control aspect that sure. I fear. And so, obviously, I'm not in control of our business at all times. I'm yeah, not yeah, in control yeah. of those things. And so I'm not, you know, a control freak that has to have everything right all the time. Um, although, sometimes I feel that way. Yeah. You know, I've made the statement being facetious, but, you know, I'm not picky. I'm not demanding. I just want everything right all the time. Yeah, I got right. But that's how you feel. No, I've looked, I've walked with you in your shop, and yeah. we'll be walking down talking about something, and then you'll beeline across the shop and adjust a broom that was hung, and it was slightly right. off the in the shop. I'm going, yeah. how, is he, seeing, how yeah. is he seeing this stuff yeah. while we're, we're talking about business right. and, and, and trying to give a tour, yeah. and you're like, that broom doesn't look right. Right. <laughs> And, you know, again, I take it back to that it can seem, you know, a little OCD or whatever, but um, I take it back to, you know, every, the details make a difference, you know, and yeah. when people care about the broom, then they care about everything, right? Yeah. And so if you could take it down to that level, then, you know, execution becomes possible and execution is the challenge, right? Oh, yeah. Putting the plan into action is where the rubber meets the road, yep. right? Yep. And being willing to do whatever it takes to make it successful, yep. whether it's long nights, weekends, yep. sweat and hard work, you've got to you've got to make it successful. I mean, I think you said that at the early part of this whole thing was, yeah. you know, once construction was it, that was it. I was, was going to make it successful. Yeah. Um, and you have to have that that attitude. I think soon after I started my business. I was at your house, we were in your den, and still I'm trying to pick your brain. And mm -hmm. that was one of the things that stood out was you just said, you know, you just have to make it happen. You've got to want it and make it happen. Yeah. Um, and there is no necessarily a secret sauce to the recipe, right? No. That's what a lot of people are yeah. 
how, what kind of business planning do you do? What did your financial model look like? What were yeah. your projections like? And yeah. it was just like, I just went out and yeah. did the, a good service and yeah. tried to be responsive and yeah. you know build a good culture and, and, and the work comes because yeah. people like working with people that they like yeah. and they like working with people that have integrity and do what they say they're gonna do. Yeah. And you can, you can do everything right and end up in some oh. horrible scenarios, you know, that can turn into a disaster. And then success becomes how you, do you handle that disaster? You know, how do you do that? And as a leader, you know, I've always, you know, promoted the concept of, you know, embracing that responsibility. Yeah. And so I, I felt, um, a little proud of myself in that when I would come home at the end of the day, my family couldn't tell it was the best day ever or the worst day ever. Yeah. Because I was happy to be home, you know? And so really handling, you know, landing a great project and having great opportunity or handling a disaster, it's really still me doing my job as CEO. Yeah. There's really no difference yeah. in those two. And in fact, you really want to shine, handle the problem. Yeah, and then you can go home feeling awesome, even though what you dealt with all day was very distasteful. Yeah. It was very uncomfortable. It it was not a good scenario. In fact, we're losing a million dollars, and I got to figure out how to stop the bleeding. You know, yeah. the fact that you embrace that responsibility and you you look to yourself to solve to it, tackle that to challenge, fix it. Yeah. You know, that's a good day. You know, yeah. and you don't have to go home and kick the dog and scream at the kids. Yeah. You know, you go home going, you know. I, I did a good job, you know, and, and I'm the right person to do that job. Yeah. Um, I've always struggled with people that uh, complain about, you know, their job or how hard this was or how hard this scenario is. And, and I think as a leader, you've put yourself in there. You've elected yourself Go to handle that. To tackle those and challenges. so now you're complaining about it. What well, yeah. I don't understand yeah. if, you know, if you're a cook, do you complain about cooking? If you're a receptionist, do you complain about answering the phone? Yeah. It's what you do, you know? Yeah, I've done, I, what's interesting is as as we've promoted people in the organization, you get folks that were, you know, mid-management that grow into more leadership roles, mm -hmm. and then they start to complain or they're concerned about, well, all I deal with is problems, people problems, project problems. And I'm like, what do you think this job does? Yeah. I mean, dealing with the problems, the problems rise to the top. There's no other place to push the issue to. You've just yeah. got to hit it head on and tackle it. As you know, in our business, we have project managers yeah. and um, uh, PMs, right? And so I always tell them they're problem managers, you know? That's a good, so that's, that's your a good job, look at you know? Yeah. When you think about yourself as a senior PM, you're a senior yeah. project problem manager, you know? Just embrace it, you know, and, and be the best one out there, sure. you know? So. so let's talk about a challenge. COVID-19, yeah. right? Yeah. So just even this last week, we mm -hmm. I mean, your office has impacted, my office has impacted, we're in Harris yeah. County. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on COVID-19 and how has it impacted your business? And, you know, what, how do things look moving forward from your perspective? For years, many years, we've been talking about, you know, the change in the workplace and, and more people being uh, remote officing and you know we've struggled with that um, you've got your old school managers expect people there you yeah. know making 
coffee in the morning bright and early and staying late, and they actually value that more than results, to be yeah. honest. You know, there could be someone that crack a dawn to, you know, They're shut the doors day. down, and, and some some of the old school folks will just embrace that and say, best employee ever, and they may not get anything done, right? And then you have other people that you may never see, and, and they're cranking, you know, yeah. and they're really, really productive. And so, you know, part of it I've seen is, yeah, we're going to see this transition from the traditional workplace to remote workers, and we're going to see that over the next, you know, two decades. Well, this is just put it in hyperdrive, right? It's happened overnight pretty much which is a problem. It creates a lot of challenges. Um, we were a technology-based business, so it wasn't sure. hard for us technology-wise. I mean, it was yeah. smooth. You had the infrastructure in place. We People did. could I work mean, remote. Right. They could so now it just becomes, yeah, now it becomes managing output, unfortunately. Yeah. How do you control culture when you're not in the same building? How yeah. do you promote culture? How do you do all this stuff? Now you're ma managing output. Yeah. If you're a clerk and you're at home putting in invoices in a system, now you're measuring invoices in a system. How yeah. many did you put in versus someone else? Yeah. Did you put in your 100 invoices a day? Then we're in good shape. If you only did 50, we got an issue. And if you did 150, you're a superstar. Um, that's so far from trying to build a culture. family culture yeah. of culture of growth. And when I say growth, people growth and people development, not business growth. Um, you know, it's a challenge. And, and we don't know where it's going. Um, I don't know where the business is going. I don't know if we're going to have a viable business long-term right now. No yeah. one knows that. I'm not yeah. in a special position. Everybody's in the same position. Yeah. What is the future? Hold for of, our of, whole industry in, in, or our whole economy. The entire economy, the yeah. entire world. What's it going to be? Yeah. Is Kilgore Industries going to be ex able to exist in five years the way we exist today? Yeah. No one knows. Yeah. We don't know if this disease is going to go away. We don't know if everybody's going to get it. You're going to have immunity and no big deal. We don't yeah. know if, you know, right now what we see is a lot of paranoia, uh, which is driving all these closures and really economic disaster for many. Yep. Uh, I don't personally believe in it. I wish they would go the other way and just let's get a more targeted keep, approach to mm -hmm. managing it. Yeah, yep. protect the people that are at risk and keep going. Sure. But so the bottom line is, I mean, you know, it's been a huge impact. We had, we've seen, you know, uh, we've had to cut back, folks. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of government help out there right now. It's the best time to do it because they can still get, you know, uh, yeah. some 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 assistance. But um, you know, it's it's in our industry we are um, considered critical, and yeah. so most of our projects haven't shut down. Yeah. Um, but we have seen almost all sales in Houston go away, which are yeah, headquarters. Yeah. Uh, that's where our majority of our sales normally would come from and we've seen almost nothing since this hit um we've seen projects with midstream dry up you know yeah, a lot yeah. of our aviation work working for the big airlines and yeah. at the big airports it stopped mid project um you know just, there's just been so many impacts you you can't quantify yeah. what it's done to our business yeah and i don't think economically we've seen what this is really going to mm -hmm. look like no because they're because the government has been pumping, you're pumping money trying to keep yeah. all these businesses on life support. Yeah. Government assistance going out to all these individuals. Yeah. That was all intended to to just be a short span. Right. right? And now we're looking at the the concept of a second wave yeah. or whether it's real or not. 
everybody's going to react like it is. Yeah. And so we're seeing shutdowns and businesses are going to mm -hmm. have to pull back bars and restaurants and hospitality and everything else is going to retract again. Yeah. And going through a second wave of this economically yeah. um, really creates, like you said, uncertainty. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. We, do, we just don't know. And yeah. you can't plan around something that you don't know. Right. Right? I and, mean, look, and if you look at the stock market, it's still robust pretty much. It yeah. dipped and it all came back. Yeah. Based on what? Yeah. Economy didn't come back. You go anywhere and everything's working on you know 50% capacity, if that. Most people couldn't afford to work at 80% capacity and still pay the bills. These sure. restaurants, hotels, car washes, you just go down the list. I mean, they have little to no work. Uh, colleges are gone. Schools, you know, daycares, churches. I mean, just keep going. Off the charts. I mean, yeah. there's just no, there's no way to really figure out what this is going to mean long term. Yeah. Um, I can't believe the stock market just keeps going. I mean, yeah. I understand Netflix. Everybody's on watching TV. Other, other than, than that, that, I mean, what the heck, right? Who else is How is these other businesses, you know, still growing? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. It's artificial, right? When's that going to collapse? That's scary. Plus, you know? we're in an election year, yeah. which creates more yeah. uncertainty yeah. on top of uncertainty. So, yeah. you know, we, we may not see this thing turn until after we get through at least an election and see yeah. what this next cycle of COVID-19 does. But yeah. um, in the meanwhile... Like you said earlier, we just got to address the problems as they come, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's hard to not overreact, um, but you can't underreact either. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, because you you could scale your whole business down, and then yeah, we go back, and now you've got to ramp it all back up. But I think yeah. that you know other recessions and economic uh, disasters have hit throughout the life cycle of your business mm -hmm. and slow reaction can have pretty long-term impacts as well. We pretty much took an immediate reaction. We did some downsizing that probably needed to be done. You know, in the organization, we talk about pruning. It yeah. needs to be done. Yeah. So we did that. Uh, we, and this was all really like it happened. I was, when it really hit, I was on vacation with the kids. I was snow skiing snowboarding and it hit and I was it was like a Thursday and I was skiing Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday I was back Monday we had a meeting Monday morning um, I had called it while I was on vacation I was like Monday morning we're all sitting in the big training room and we're gonna we're gonna have a dialogue about what's going yeah. on um, since then we have had a town hall every Thursday morning via conference call uh, about the impacts wow. of COVID so you know, anywhere from 25 to 50 folks from around the state jump on that call. Um, and we all talk about, you know, I have kind of a format I go down uh, and, and we've got a sheet that I share and it's COVID impacts and how that's quantified and I, I spell it out so everybody understands sure. really the severity of the situation. Um, for us, we lost about $26 million in contracts, you know, right off the bat. And then if you if you don't look deep, you go well. You lost twenty six, and you sold thirty. It's you know you know you're back to Cold even. Wash, yeah. And I'm like, uh -uh. we lost twenty six that we would already build out in revenues yeah. and profits, and we sold thirty when we should have sold seventy. You yeah. know, let's start doing the math here. We're fifty something million behind where sure. we would normally be. Um, you know, so I I want to remind people weekly of that and yeah. keep 
you know, keep it on the forefront of their minds. Because, you know, initially it was, we don't know what's happening. You know, if you're not, if you don't, if your business, you know, we call them SBUs, strategic business unit. Sure. If your SBU is not right-sized, get it right-sized quick. Let's keep monitoring, you know. If we have to lay people off, finances are finances. We have to yeah. maintain a viable business yeah. or no one's going to be taken yeah. care of. Yeah. And so we did that, you know, freeze raises, no new hires, you know, all these things just kind of kind of make kind of a new set of rules for a while until we see what's going on. And then we have that weekly call and we just continue to discuss and monitor and, and let everybody fill in. I'll say, you know, how, yeah. how's the environment in Dallas? How's the environment in Austin? What are you all feeling over there? Do you and see it, a difference with your employees? Do, 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 you, do you feel like, do you see a difference in what their job means to them? Or do you see some folks just using this as yeah. vacation time? You know, I'm a people person. We talked about it. I, it's hard to see anything behind masks now. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's frustrating, right? It's, yeah. it's a weird deal. Um, it, it's hard. You don't have the FaceTime with them. And half the time when you do, they got a mask on. And you don't even see the normal expressions. And, yeah. you know, you don't communicate the same way. And you can't hear. And you can't read lips. And, you know, the whole interaction between humans are, is different. And, um, you know, some are offended that you don't have a mask on. Some are offended that you have a mask on. And it's, you know, it's just this craziness going on. So, um, you know, I, it, again, it's it goes back to that discussion about, you know, we're at probably 25% capacity in the office. And when they are, they're social distanced, right? So culture is you don't have is the, connectivity. the ultimate challenge now. Um, yeah. Everybody's left to their own kind of devices to think. So now we've had to go outside of that and do stuff like this weekly town hall, yeah. which creates and promotes culture. We talk about it. Uh, and it, it, um, it gives transparency. I don't hide anything in our business. Yeah. Really. I, I'm all about transparency. And it's not just, it's, it's the real deal. I put it out there, good, bad, or, sure. or, or whatever. And, um, and I think that promotes a positive culture yeah. as well. I'm not... Hiding anything, sugarcoating you know? what, what's going on out I'm there. I'm gonna tell you it's yeah. good. If it's if it's bad, I'm gonna tell you if it's bad. If I if yeah. I don't know, I'm gonna tell you I don't know. Well, the the, the problem that we have is by the news hour almost. Oh, yeah. There's a different policy, yeah. different procedure. Yeah. How we you know how how you have to address COVID nineteen on a job site, whether yeah. it's temperature taking or yeah. checking people in and out, hand washing. Now. How do you handle them? I mean, we've got a huge HR challenge with just how do you treat folks who are suspect COVID-19? Right. How do you treat people who have been exposed to COVID-19? Yeah. Now we have, you know, stay at home work, yeah. work orders unless you're not essential. Yeah. You know, so there's, there's a, that creates this organizational HR nightmare of, you know, that gets announced on the news. Yeah. And then we've got to go back and figure out how do you interpret it? How do you communicate it to the company? Yeah. How do you manage all your people? I mean, today or over the weekend, we were sending out correspondence saying, mm -hmm. okay, this is how we're going to handle this new stay-at-home order over yeah. the weekend. So we're in the same boat, and, you know, it's, um, you know, beyond even that stuff, one of the key strategies for us and key components of uh, success is visible leadership. And yeah. you're taking all that away. And so, you know, visible leadership means 
be visible on site, you know. Sure. Uh, we use an acronym POP, you know, which is point of production. You know, um, lead from the point of production. Don't lead from your desk, you know, behind the desk. And now we've got social distancing, yeah. office from home, you know. Point of production's hard now. Because sure. even point of production, you can't round up more than six people, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, and everybody's behind a mask. So it, it is a unique challenge that, you know, We'll have to see how this plays out. You know, there are generational, uh, you know, uh, circumstances that that define generations. It'll be very interesting to see what happens this, to yeah. our our you know kids that are you know our kids' age and and what this means to them and what defines their culture long term. It's certainly going to have an impact. What that is, we don't know. You know? Yeah, the the to look at. I mean, you start looking at the economic impact and the numbers and there's nothing that compares to it no. in our lifetimes no. um, but I'm sure if any organization is going to figure this out Kilgore Industries will I'll be watching and taking <laughs> notes along the way um, and you know we'll continue to collaborate together on other opportunities um, there's a lot of other things that I, I want to talk about I hope you come back and talk to us again we want to Go visit your shop and visit some visit a job and get into some of the other fun stuff whether it's hunting and adventures yep. and more flying but thanks for being a good friend and thanks for coming on the show and you bet appreciate everything man yep you bet enjoyed it enjoyed the time cool. appreciate it thank you yep